All right, the postseason is on, and so is Thrive Fantasy. Your season-long fantasy season might be over. You might have finished in last like me. Not like seven. Heard he's pretty good. But that doesn't mean that you can't still get in on fantasy action. And with $2 games or $100 games, Thrive Fantasy has a match for you. The concept is simple. Choose an over and under for a player's given stats and earn points for each prop you guess correctly. Like, let's say if I'm betting on the ALCS, I'm going to go over on Garrett Cole's strikeouts, and I'm probably going to go the over on Gary Sanchez's pass balls. <laughs> and yes, I'm taking direct shots at U7. Yeah, you should. <laughs> if you combine all your props and get in one of the highest scoring lineups on that night, you cash in. So whether you're looking to play $2 games or $100 games, Thrive Fantasy has a match for you. It's located in the Apple or Google Play stores and use our code BREAKDOWN, that's B-R-K-D-W-N, and receive $10 free when you deposit $10 through PayPal. Thrive Fantasy, prop up with us. Let's go! Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. The 3-2. Cowboys drill deep to left field. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. A swing and a drive to deep right. Away back. Goal. Jason Giambi has done it. Episode 21, and in I mean it, it's October, but we got our September call up all the way from Gladys and Eunice's section <laughs> from the ALDS Game 5. He is Matty P. Matty P, welcome in, my guy. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I've been in touch with um, El Jefe for a while, and I'm glad we finally made this work. Looking I'll tell you what. This is a hell of a lot better than having than calling El Jefe in the middle of his shift. So I, I'm, I'm glad we <laughs> we got the three-headed monster rolling. Glad to have you in. So you are a Rays season ticket holder. Yeah, man. I, you know what? I am a Rays season ticket holder. And here, let me just give you a quick little background on me and how this came about. So grew up north of Boston, lived there for most of my life. Uh, diehard Red Sox fan. My dad brought me to games growing up all the time. Um, from there, I actually moved to Brooklyn for a year. From Brooklyn, moved to Connecticut, went to college there, um, finished up there, and ended up moving to Tampa. And when I got to Tampa, I was like, you know, uh, financially stable. I was doing well. And I'm like, you know, I got to get tickets to baseball. So I figured, why not? It wasn't expensive for race season tickets. Um, yeah, so it's a I coupon, don't, right? I'll say I, for one, am shocked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they pretty much hate Yeah, it's pretty much a coupon. And no, but and honestly, I just wanted to see all the teams coming in. I don't go to every game. I'm not like one of those people. I probably go to like 20, 25 games if I'm lucky. Um, a lot of the others I just I give away to clients or sell the other tickets. But, you know, I mean, I'm a die. I love baseball. And I thought being a part of that franchise would be a lot of fun. So, so. So you said it would be a lot of fun. Has it been a lot of fun so far? 
It it wasn't early on because this is my third year. This is my third year having the tickets. So no, I mean you know it was fun to go to games, see the Red Sox, and and you know when the Yankees came to town, that's always fun. But um, no, it, it wasn't fun. But let me tell you, this year was a lot of fun. Like the end of last year, you're like, all right, the Rays have something. They weren't that far out of it. Um, and it's like you know you, you're always looking forward to next year. And they, I'll tell you, man, you got to give their um, GM Meander some credit because he's brought in a lot of young guys with low salaries that he's just you know that coaching staff was able to get the best out of them so it has been a lot of fun this year um and I'm I'm really looking forward to next year as well how is the viewing experience of a game at Tropicana Field it depends it's actually quite better than some seats at Fenway Park like you could get a seat to Fenway Park and be obstructed 100 percent um Tampa doesn't have any obstructions. It's obviously like a big dome, so it's like a big warehouse. Uh, they've done a good job keeping up with it, uh, remodeling it, you know, trying to make it fan-friendly. Um, my seats are front-row outfield, so I, I enjoy where I sit personally. Um, but, you know, it's not as bad as people as people say it is, to be honest. I was going to say, because the only things that I've heard about the the viewing experience at Tropicana Field came from a report saying that it had the most health code violations in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to go there for a, a gourmet dinner or anything like that. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it, it definitely was one of the worst from what I read as well. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, we usually try to eat before we go in there. And, you know, the drinks are fine. though. You a big duckies guy? I've been to Duckies a few times. I'll be honest, Duckies is more fun during football season because it's just, you know, going to sports bar, all the games everywhere. Um, but I have been to Duckies. It's not bad. It's a good. It's a good spot. I like Duckies. I've been down there a couple times. Uh, seven. That's Evan Longoria's bar. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so cool. the only issue is it's so far away from the truck. You know, it's not like yeah. Spot. It's off the beaten path for sure. Right. We kind of found it on accident when we were down there. Um. <laughs> But, but like I said, it's episode 21, finally legal, it's old enough to party. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's genius, by the way. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This week in baseball, uh, we're recording on Wednesday. So the Nationals wrapped up the series last night. Uh, Yankees and Astros rained out today. Is that what I saw? Yeah, they had a, a bomb cyclone coming in. So they're expecting between two and three inches of rain. Tonight, it should be cleared out by midday tomorrow, but I think this is a blessing in disguise so Gary Sanchez can get his head out of his asshole and fucking learn how to swing and block a ball. <laughs> and, and and so, going off that, yep. <laughs> what's, what's, your, what's your panic meter at right now? Um, what's, like, the terrorist colors when we have, like, a threat? Oh, I'll look, I'm going to look this up right now. Because I think I'm at orange. Um... <laughs> I was at I was at Green on Saturday, which was great. Uh, Sunday through, I'll say seven. I was probably still around Green, starting to get into Yellow. After Correa's home run, I was firmly in Yellow. And then after yesterday's showing, when Didi Gregorius decided not to take a pitch with the bases loaded, I went all the way to Orange, and I haven't left since. So, yeah, it has not been very nice. Um, I've been Orange is second highest, just so you know. Yeah, so I'm there. Um, we'll probably okay. be in red uh, tomorrow. So, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. 
<laughs> so, Matt, Matt, I got to ask you, coming off of, you know, being eliminated by the Astros, who are you pulling for in this series? Um, I'm, I mean, I'm actually pulling for the Astros. Um, oh. And again, you know, my, my heart's with the Red Sox. Um, I, I, I major in, in Red Sox and I minor in the Rays. So, you know, <laughs> that's how I, I like to put it. I don't really... I'll never root for the Yankees. I just, it's, you know, that's part of who I am. So definitely rooting for the Astros. That's fair I love enough. It. That's fair enough. I, uh, I major in Astros. That's a great way of putting it, too. Yeah, I like that a lot. I, I have a lot of relatives from New York. Um, so every year it, it's definitely a lot of fun when it, Red Sox, Yankees, the rivalry. Um, yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I mean being I'm a Yankees fan in Boston is, you know, just an absolute ball for me. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I uh, I'm from Cleveland, so I major in heartbreak and minor in false hope. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! All right, managerial openings. Uh, like I said, Angels. It, we're recording on Wednesday. Angels fill their fill the need today, bringing in Joe Madden, three years, twelve mil. Uh, thoughts? Just in, before we dive into the rest of what's going on with the Angels, thoughts on the signing, Matt? I'm gonna turn to you first. Yeah, man. Uh, I actually really like the signing um, for the Angels. Uh, Big Joe Madden guy. I think, you know, obviously what he did when he was here in Tampa was great. Um, No one ever thought the Rays could could make it, you know, as far as they did with with the payroll that they have and continue to have every year. Um, So you got to give him respect there. And, of course, going to Chicago, breaking the Cubs curse, um, you know, that's – it's a lot of pressure, man, and, and I think he handled it very well. So, you know, going to Anaheim or L.A., obviously they got a lot of issues going on right now. Um, you know, Joe Madden seems like the kind of guy who could come in, clean up the clubhouse, um, you know, maybe bring in some of his uh, former coaching staff or, or what have you. But he's always had that winning culture. Um, you know, he gets gets the most out of his players. I think pairing him with Mike Trout's going to be great for that team. Thank you for reminding me of that Cubs World Series. That was just fucking great. I'm sorry. <laughs> <That> was awesome. <laughs> no, it's cool. Seven, what do you think about the signing? Uh, yeah, so to jump off that, I think it's a good signing for the short term. A three-year deal, 12 mil. Um, definitely, you know, paying Madden to win now. Um, but, yeah, to speak to, like, the problems with the clubhouse and trying to get that team better, Madden definitely has a following. And I'm sure he can attract some other players that he's managed in the past. My question does Ben Zobris go to Anaheim to find his new wife and play for Joe Madden there? Because we know it didn't work out in Chicago. So um, I think he can probably get a guy like that, or honestly, he could probably get some of the ex rays that he's managed in the past to join him. I don't think it's going to be too hard for him. Having Mike Trout on the roster uh, is obviously just a godsend for any manager getting to manage the best player in the league. So I think it's a good deal. I'm a little perplexed in terms of just. So my thing with Madden, I think he's too much of a player's coach to really elicit too much change with like an authoritarian presence. So I'm a little perplexed that they went for him. I know it's a homecoming of sorts, but at the same time, I feel like you'd be better off bringing in someone who could probably just steer the ship right away um, in terms of chemistry or just overall morale because we'll touch on it in a sec, but... Tommy, you, you alluded to it too. The Angels are in a world of trouble right now. So this is a, yeah. a big job. Yeah. So 
just a quick you mentioned Ben Zobrist. I gotta throw in this <laughs> quick Ben Zobrist story. Um, so during that 2016 World Series, um, and so we had our first censoring last week. I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to have our second one here. Um, for you? I think it was yeah for me during oh, game. It. Oh, fuck, it had to be game. <laughs> it was one of the games in Chicago. So it had to be game uh, game two or game three. I'm sorry, game three or game four. They kept cutting to Ben Zobrist's wife while he was hitting. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm watching the game with my, my uncle and a couple of my buddies. And my uncle's older guy, kind of ornery, and he just kept getting so irritated about them cutting to, to Ben Zobrist's wife, cutting to Ben. He's like, you know what? just fucking get that off the screen. Oh. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> And I was like, Jesus Christ, Uncle Bob. Like, you know, I had like three of my buddies there just like jaws on the floor, fucking in tears. I'll tell you what, though, right now, Ben Zobers probably shares that sentiment. Get that <laughs> off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Now, in the most awkward segue ever, um, you mentioned the Angels' struggles. Angels could yeah. be fined up to $2 million by MLB as the DEA is continuing to investigate the death of Tyler Skaggs, including interviews uh, with players such as Matt Harvey, Trevor Cahill, um, among others. Again, as stiff as a $2 million fine, what are our thoughts here? I'm going to turn to you first, Seven. I think the fine the fine is almost inconsequential when you think about it for a major yeah. league baseball franchise like two million dollars that's that's fucking nothing unless they were to count it towards like a luxury tax type of situation or if it goes towards their payroll I don't think it's that big of a deal especially for a, a big market team like Los Angeles even though they're in Anaheim it's Los Angeles um, it, I don't I don't think it hurts enough especially considering all the reports coming out that Skaggs was getting you know what was it oxycodone and a few other pills from the trainer or was it the trainer or someone in like maybe someone can clear this up i forget who it was but he came out and was like totally complicit with the uh, dea and just kind of let them know like yeah I, I was giving him the pills and i gave him the pills two nights before he overdosed so um yeah i don't think that's enough for me I, and apparently they are looking into it more because they don't think it's enough either. I think Manfred needs to come down with a heavy fist on this one. So the 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 article I'm reading right now from uh, Liz Rocher, Rocher of Yahoo Sports is saying that uh, Angels Communication Director Eric Kay told federal agents that his supervisor Tim Mead and at least one other Angels employee were informed of Skaggs' drug use and did nothing. Mead left the Angels organization over the summer to become president of the Baseball Hall of Fame, if that's not the most fitting thing I've ever seen. Um, Kay, Kay is currently on leave from his job and is in outpatient recovery. Also told fe federal agents he had supplied Skaggs with opioids, and at times they took them together. So not a good look for Angels community, or former Angels Communication Director Eric Kay. Yeah, pretty bad luck, actually. That's yeah. Look. Especially that I read he was there for like, He's been working with them for what 20, 20 years, more than twenty years, and it's like, how long has something like this been going on? What other players have been, you know, I guess taking this stuff throughout the years? Um, I mean, we're talking someone's life, you know. That's that's mm -hmm. a whole, we're not talking steroids. We're not talking like this guy. This guy passed away, man. This is a whole nother level. I think two million dollars is a 
an insult. A drop in the bucket. In my opinion. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a whole nother level, something that I've never really um, seen in, in baseball before that I can remember. So, you know, they're, they're definitely taking it serious as they should. Yeah. So Angel spokesperson Marie Garvey um, made the statement, says, we quote, we have never heard that any employee was providing illegal narcotics to any player or that any player was seeking narcotics from him. The current and former employees that are being accused of knowing this behavior have categorically denied the assertion. The Angels maintain a strict zero-tolerance policy regarding the illicit use of drugs for both players and staff. Every one of our players must also abide by the MLB Joint Drug Agreement. So, a pretty strict denial there, despite K having kind of sung like a bird. Yeah, that's a tale of two cities if I've ever heard it. Uh, Yeah. Like, the guy comes out and basically says, I did it, and then they try to cover it up with a shitty PR. Like, that's not going to get it done. That's a a big old yikes, if you ask me. It's a big matzo ball hanging out there. Um... So, we we were all kind of the agreement that two million is is not really a a stiff enough punishment or a punishment worth. It doesn't fit the crime, I guess. Um, what realistically could be a punishment that fits this crime? I guess if you started taking away draft picks from them, or um, like that's the thing with the money. I want to know what the money goes to, or like what the money would be from. Or yeah, say where the money comes from. Yeah, because if it's from the payroll, <clears throat> excuse me, from the payroll or like international signing money, then yeah, it, it hurts. Um, but like honestly, take away some draft picks. Their first pick should be off the table at this point. Like that shouldn't even be a discussion. Um, they have to be hit hard for this, and I, I just feel like. There's no good way to do because obviously, and like thank God, there's not enough of, I guess a uh, a system in place for this exact type of crime or. or yeah, there's not prior prior infractions yeah. or uh, there's there's an, an official word for it prior occurrences. We're yeah, call it. So that's. Yep. Um, so yeah, I guess like from that lens, you try like whatever MLB decides to do, it's you're set you're setting the standard now um, because. It hasn't been done before, but I just think there should be more to affect the Angels because this was what it sounds like. It was done, you know, in compliance with the whole team. Everyone kind of knew about it, but turned a blind eye to it. So, and I think that's why they're interviewing all the pitchers right now, just to get an understanding of how many guys were doing it, um, how did they get it, and how easy it was for them to get it. So once all that information comes out, I think it'll be more than just a $2 million fine. Angels had 151.6 million uh, in contracts this year, 115.5 already on the books for next year before arbitration. Obviously, we can agree that two million really is just just that a drop in the bucket. Well, that's the thing; it's the Angels. It's not like the Royals or the Rays, where the payroll for the Rays is 59 million, right? That that yeah. would affect them. Um, this won't really affect the Angels. They're they, like you just said; their payroll is already double what the Rays is. Um, and they're looking at, and that's before arbitration, right? So yeah, yeah. There's there's even more money to be had. There's free agency that's about to begin. Two million dollars isn't much to this team. Um, they're not bargain hunting. And if quick history, like <laughs> the way they shell out money in LA recently, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I wonder yeah. if it's one of those things where it's like, all right, let's show them that we're doing something for now, and then once we, you know, 
do a little more investigating, you know, uh, dig a little deeper into this and, you know, bring more hmm. facts out. Maybe, maybe they'll go a little deeper, but I mean, I, I, I guess if that's the case, uh, I'm okay with them coming out and saying, all right, here's what you get. Now let's really investigate and see what, what else we can find. And then, you know, if anything comes out then maybe it'll get even worse, but yeah, you're right. 2 million, um, for that team probably isn't enough and maybe it's not, uh, the end of this, but, um, 2 million for the Rays, Yeah. That's like their whole infield. That wouldn't, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's the thing too, though. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like just setting the precedent now with just, this is what we're going to do now. And like, we'll get to it later. Exactly. That, that, that's, I feel like if you do that, you're becoming the NFL in a sense. Um, you just have to stick to an actual punishment and it has to be consistent. And that's something that the MLB can try to do now, because obviously with the PEDs and domestic abuse and everything that they've had on off the field recently, there hasn't been enough consistency with that as it is. This is one thing like, and obviously you don't want this to be a consistent thing, but this is one thing you can just nip right in the bud right now. If you just come down hard. And hopefully prevent it from ever happening. Exactly. Yeah, it's a preventative yeah. measure. Hmm. And yeah, I think it's gonna. I think this might be. You know, once uh, the the full investigation is is finished up, that they come down harder. Just overall, it, it kind of just a sad look for baseball right now. Yeah, it's not great. Not great for the image of the sport at all. So, before we pivot onto to other managerial jobs. And this may be even something we edit out if it's not enough of a conversation. Do you think that stuff like this is going on in other locker rooms? Um, I don't know because baseball is not a contact sport like hockey or football where we hear guys that get addicted to painkillers, um, you know, other types of drugs where it's, I don't want to say accepted, but it's, I guess it's more believable um, in that lens, like, I can I can totally understand if someone's taking like muscle relaxers or something after the game, or like Josh Gordon getting high right after the game, uh, as he has done so famously. Um, but I don't know, like baseball for me, I just I just don't see it. I understand like it's 162 games are on the road a lot, but I just I don't know if it's to the extent that the Angels were doing it, and I, I want to believe that. But then again, there's no way of really knowing until they kind of pull back the curtain on it a little bit, you know? Yeah, for sure. Matt, what do you think? I mean, I, I thought about the same thing earlier uh, that you just said, you know, is it going on in other uh, locker rooms around the league? Who knows? But, um, you know, again, hopefully with this report coming out and this unfortunate uh, uh, instance that happened with Thomas Skaggs, it puts an end to it all around. Um, I, you know, it's, it's a long season, you know, double the amount of games as hockey and basketball. So I, I guess... I hope they find alternatives, um, you know, as far as the drugs go. But yeah, chicken and beer in the clubhouse, just like the chicken. It, that'll win your World Series. <laughs> that, that'll win your World Series. Or Fortnite no. for David Price. But seriously, no, not if you're Carlos Santana. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, they find an alternative uh, in the long run. But yeah, you're right. Not a not a good look. Yeah, not a good look at all. Uh, moving off of that, um, Phillies taking a look at Buck Showalter. I know we talked last week, Seven, about maybe uh, Big Buck going to the pods, <laughs> courtesy of Manny Machado. But now, uh, maybe the Phillies? Question mark. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, Uncle Buck shows his face again. Um, I honestly don't think this is a bad fit. I think Buck Showalter is probably the type of personality you want for a team that's underachieved like they have the last two seasons. Uh, but this is classic Philly, right? They had the dream team free agent, uh, free agent signings, and the offseason was as busy as it's probably ever been for baseball there. And, of course, you finish one game better than you were the year before. And now, to fix it all, we're going to bring in a guy who has been there before for all intents and purposes. Uh, Buck Walter is a true veteran of the game in every sense. He demands respect wherever he goes. And he's kind of prickly, it's, it seems like. But I, the only reason I don't think this is a good signing, if it were to happen, is because there's a huge power struggle right now between the GM and the owner in Philly. Uh, it came out that Klintak, the GM, did not really have much of a say in what happened with the team overall from the roster construction and to who was playing and who wasn't. Um, and it, can't, it was a little bit like if Steinbrenner was still managing or owning the Yankees in the sense that he was calling the shots for Cashman so, so many years ago. So if you look at this the way it's constructed, I don't think it's a good fit because Showalter needs to be able to work with his GM and not the owner, and it needs to go both ways. And it creates this power struggle of just three big personalities trying to demand respect and demand ownership of their respective areas. I don't think this is the move you want, but it also starts with ownership. So, you know, I, we'll see what happens. I think it's a good fit for baseball purposes if he can manage the way he needs to. But right now, just seeing all the stories coming out about how the Phillies are run, I, I just don't think it's a very a good move in the sense that no one really knows what the hell they're doing. Matty P., do you think having Uncle Buck at the helm is good or bad for baseball right now? Um, Uncle Buck's an awesome movie, by the way. I think that... <laughs> have you ever seen it? Have you seen oh, yeah. it? I, I haven't. Yeah, John oh, Candy. That's great. <laughs> it's classic. you got to check it out. Um, I, I like it. And the reason I like it, um, you know, veteran manager. He's had success. He's had some tough seasons. Um there's a lot of big personalities in that clubhouse, obviously. And, you know, I, I'm okay bringing a veteran in there. I, I almost want to see Girardi get it, but I'm going to leave my my personal feelings aside. Um, Girardi and gonna, Philly would be fun to watch. I would love that. I don't know why, but I would really enjoy that. But I, I don't hate the Phillies going after Buck Walter. I mean, he's got a, a good track record. I, He's been in the game for so long now, and there's a lot of veterans in that clubhouse. I think that that would uh, they would blend well. We don't know, but that's that's what I think. Well, speaking of Girardi, uh, it's been rumored that he is very interested in the Mets job. We've had our fun at ad nauseum about about the Mets. I like this fit. This might be the best thing they could do all year um, if they were to land him. I, and we talked about it for a little bit last week too, Tommy. This is probably the safest signing they could have. I'm still a fan of them going for Beltron, um, personally. But I think Girardi would be a safe pick. Uh, he has a proven track record, similar to Showalter. Um, he has a ring, so he knows how to get to the postseason and how to win in the postseason. My concern with him is that he seems to overmanage a lot, and that was with an AL club. So, and that's essentially what cost him his job in New York towards the end. Um, 
in the National League where there's so many moves that you have to make. I don't know if Girardi is the perfect fit. I think he's a good fit for a team that definitely needs some leadership, though, because um, he'll, he'll at least turn the club around in the immediate. I don't know if he's going to be a long-term fix, though. Matty P., what say you? Um, look, if he doesn't go to Philly, I'd love to see him uh, on the Mets. Uh, I mean, look, he's he's been to New York, obviously. He, he can handle the media. It's, I mean, there's a lot of big personalities in that clubhouse, too. And like Seven said, he's got a proven track record. He's got a ring. Um, you know, I, it's almost the perfect fit, I guess, in my opinion. I'll go back on, on wanting him to go to the Phillies. But, you know, Girardi as a Met, it, it's almost the perfect fit. I don't know how long I would give him. Maybe the same as Madden, three, four years. Um, see what he could do, but... You know, I don't think it would be a, a bad idea for the Mets to bring him in. I think the fans would enjoy that as well. Um, they'd appreciate it. So, you know, I don't hate it. I would love to see it just because I think Girardi is one of those guys that, you know, it takes a special kind of manager to succeed in New York, and he's already showed that he can succeed in New York uh, with the Yankees. Right. And I, th- I think having him at the helm of the, of the, of the Metros would be – a pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting fit, and I think it it'd be a good way to calm down all the meet the Mets that we've had fun with. Wouldn't the fans well, I, love it? I think we. I would bet love they it too. would. We would love it too because the second they start poor, that we have more meet the Mets material. So oh, I can't wait. <laughs> In that vein, yeah, I'm all for it. I think it's a perfect fit for us. It, it really is. It, I mean, I and, and if it goes good, we can kick back, kick our feet up, and say, hey. We said it was going to be a good fit. <laughs> yeah, either way, we fucking win. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a great fit then. Um, personally, though, I'll double down. I do think Beltran would be the flashier signing. I think it would be a good signing for them. Um, he has front office experience working with the Yankees this year. So it's not like he's totally fresh. I think he probably could use a nice apology from the Wilpons should he get the job. But... Either way, the Mets are actually doing something that we haven't seen them do, and it's actually do smart things right now. Um, (laughs) And by looking at the candidates that they're bringing in, they're looking for good, fundamental baseball, uh, baseball minds, and Girardi's probably top of the list for them just from the experience that he could provide. Uh, So, yeah, I, I think right now the Mets are actually in the driver's seat to make a good decision. They're doing this really weird thing called competence. Yeah, I haven't seen it since God knows when, but glad they're turning the page right now. Oh, I love it. Uh, So looking at some of the other jobs, uh, anybody standing out to you guys when you guys look at the Padres job? Uh, No, the Padres really can't go wrong because I think Green was just not a good manager. Uh, So anyone they bring in, it's probably going to be well-received. I see they're looking at Bob Henley from the Nationals. And that's interesting because Henley has been with the Nationals and the Expos his whole life. Uh, he's managed a minor league system. He's been a third base coach, um, but he hasn't left. So I wonder how reluctant he is to actually leave if it comes down to it. If the team comes calling and wants him there, I don't know. Maybe if the Nationals were to win the World Series, I think the Padres would accept him with open arms uh, just from being around a team that wins because that's something that the Padres have not been able to do for it feels like forever so yeah i think henley would be a good fit just in terms of the 
career he's had, and he does have managing experience, albeit in the minors. But then again, the Padres are basically a minor league team with Manny Machado. So <laughs> this uh, this could be a match made in heaven for them. All right, Matty P, what about the Cubs job? Anybody jumping off the page to you there? Um, that's a great question. I mean, the Cubs job is probably one of the most attractive, would you say? Yeah, I would. I mean... Yeah. That's I think one of the most dynamic team. rosters. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, they have a, a roster that could win now. Um, and there's a few teams out there that have win now rosters, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe David Ross I, I'd like to see give an opportunity. I don't know if that's realistic or not. And I don't even know if I, I didn't read too much up on that. But I don't even know if that's an option. Them. I, I I heard they've kicked the tires on him. I think it'd be if he can get out of his uh, contract at ESPN. I think it would be the the issue there. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's obviously got experience. He knows that clubhouse very well. They probably respect him being a veteran that he is, and you know he's had winning experience as well in the majors when he was when he was a, a player. So um, I would like to see David Ross be given an opportunity uh, to manage the job. That's great. Seven. What about you? Any, any hearing anything about the Cubs job? The only thing I've heard David Ross, um, <clears throat> but I've also heard Will Venable. I think Venable will probably be a good fit. He was with the team uh, on their coaching staff last year, so he knows the players already. Um, essentially, you're getting a guy like David Ross who has a little bit more experience in the coaching atmosphere, so it wouldn't be a total leap of faith to give him the reins. Um, again, he worked with Madden. He worked with this team. To Maddie's point. This team is definitely still in win-now mode. I think the window's closing, so whoever you bring in, you need to make, make sure that they're going to gel with Theo and they're going to buy into the vision of how do we rebuild after the next couple of years because I think that's really all they have left with this team right now. I think you have two to three years max to get another championship. And if they don't, then it could revert back to the Cubs that we know and love, uh, minus Bartman. But who knows? I, I think... This is definitely an attractive job for a manager that wants to just stake his claim now and win. So I think whoever you give it to, whether it's Venable or Ross, they're going to come into a good roster right off the bat, and there's going to be a minimal learning curve in terms of how to win. I think you just have to be prepared to not have that window be open too long. So that's uh, that's on the manager, and that's also on Theo in the front office to figure it out. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, all right, so... Last time we talked, it was uh, right th- during Game 5 of the NLDS where I proclaimed that uh, the Nationals would win and then, uh, what's his name, Dave Roberts would be out as Dodgers manager. Dodgers have said they're keeping him, but Kenley Jensen, hot seat as the closer, question mark? I think the whole bullpen in LA is on the hot seat right now. Um, yeah, Jensen was good not great this year uh he's had the heart problems dating back to last year so i wonder if that played a big role into this um i think the dodgers need to just kind of rework that bullpen and i think jansen obviously you want to start him out as a closer again you want to make sure that you're getting every dollar on your return of investment because they paid him 80 million dollars over five years to be the guy so you have to make sure that he can still be the guy i think it starts more so with the bullpen in general and getting someone to bridge to Jansen, and should he ultimately fail, you have backup options. They don't have that right now. So for them to come out and kind of say or hint that Jansen's not totally safe, I think it's a bunch, bunch of bullshit because 
you're painting the guy like he's the closer. You need to let him be the closer. His year was a little down, but he was still a lot better than a lot of other teams' closers were. So I don't buy into it. I think he'll still be closing games when it's all said and done. I think they need to reinforce their 7-8 and maybe even their 6-man in that bullpen to get to Jansen because it's putting a lot of pressure on him to close the games out once he gets into the games. I think it would be easier on him if you had a guy like an Ottavino or a Canely to get to him instead of Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly stinks. He does. He stinks. He's so bad. In Joe Kelly's defense, he had a good World, <laughs> <laughs> had a good World Series last year. But yeah, he did. He did. He was terrible this year. Yeah. I mean, we can talk one-hit wonders until the sun comes up. <laughs> 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 but he stinks. Yeah, he's he's bad. Um, they caught up to him pretty quick, so maybe that makes Dombrowski look like a genius for not bringing him back. I mean, yeah, I think you could definitely make that <laughs> argument. No, I think Jansen's going to be fine, though. I, you have to give him at least a month or two to get back into that form. You can't just demote him before spring training's even started. We're still in the postseason right now. So I think it's just um, this is a very reactive thing to come out with. Um, if, if I'm the Dodgers, I want to make sure this guy can succeed because, again, you're paying him to like the guy that should succeed. So yeah. I, think, I think he has a bit of a leash to go okay i can get on board with that i'll agree um so so moving past that nlds to the nlcs nationals for the first time in franchise history either them or the expos are going to the world series in, in pretty convincing fashion at that uh shutting down the st louis cardinals pretty handily in four games uh cardinals barely even eking out a couple hits in that one in that series let alone runs mm-hmm. never with it with a with a series high four in the final game uh, yeah well i mean did did besides you seven because you had the future on this matt did you see this coming <laughs> um i'm gonna be honest i i thought the nationals were gonna um we're going to be a problem for some teams. I, I didn't expect them to come out and just disrespect the Cardinals and sweep them like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, they straight up disrespected them. And, you know, you got to give them credit, man. And, again, postseason, if you have solid starting pitching, you're in a good position. And they have that. Um, and, obviously, the bats did enough, you know, in the first uh, couple games uh, to win and you know after that you know obviously once they got home they started teeing off a little bit more but I mean their pitching has been unbelievable um, better than the Astros in my opinion and that's a scary thing I mean if I'm the Astros or the Yankees obviously I'm not focusing on the World Series yet but I mean you've got a you've got a problem lying ahead of you Matty are you are you calling a a, a Nationals crown here I would like to yeah, I am calling a Nationals crown here. Oh, I, I really, first episode in bold prediction. First episode. <laughs> I love up. it. I think it's. I think it's. It's gonna be tough to beat this team. I mean, their one, two, three punch is is second to none in my opinion. Even the Astros. I, I really thought the Rays got the Astros a little bit gassed in that series, and I, I thought the Yankees would would you know beat the. Um, beat the Astros no problem but obviously after three games it's it's looking a little tighter than than expected but I mean look I don't think anyone 
is going to beat the Nationals starting pitching if they continue doing what they've been doing. Home field advantage, I think, goes to the AL, so that should help uh, the AL teams. But I'd like I'd like to see the Nationals win it, and, and I think they are in a good position to do that. Uh, if memory serves... Yeah, AL won the All Star Game. So wait, no, that's not even doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah. Do they not go by that anymore? <clears throat> I think they go. No, by... it's stupid. It's whoever has the better record, which both okay. both Yankees and uh, Nationals. Astros. Which that's that I love. I, I say Nationals, uh, Yankees and Astros. Yeah, yeah, both have better records than the Nats. Um, real quick, let's go off on that. What do you guys think about that change? I like it because. I, I'm gonna flip flop because I said it earlier in the year. I like that the the All Star Game used to mean, you know, it used to stand for something. But at the same time, now if because the National League was such a dumpster fire for most of the year, and when I say that, I mean it was just way too close to call, and which is exciting. But at the same time, it's you're clearly not better than some of the AL teams, um, or maybe you are, but you're just playing down to competition. Whatever it may be, those are games you should be winning. So if the Nationals are on a heater right now, which they are, yeah, it's great, but. The Astros and the Yankees won more than 100 games each, so you have to have something to show for that, and I think home field is a perfect way to determine that. I think there's an entire off-season pod to be had on this discussion. Yeah, it probably could be, because I think it's there's still a lot of things they have to do right, but I like it for now. As I mean, clearly, as a Yankees fan, if the Yankees were to make it, I, w- I would want them to have home field, and they won over 100 games. They should get home field for that, um, because that's why you play all those games, right? Yeah. That's right. Matty yeah. P, go ahead. I cut you off. No, you're good, man. They, they've definitely, if you win over 100 games, you've earned the right to have home field throughout, you know, throughout the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, yes, I'm totally okay with it. The All-Star game is supposed to be a fun, exciting time. I don't want them to take it too serious, if that makes sense, um, especially in the middle of the season. Because after the All-Star game, everyone goes back to their regular team, and it's, you know, back at it. So, don't. Don't go balls to the wall, if I can say that, um, during the All-Star game. Take I dropped time. a C-bomb. You can say whatever the hell you want, Matt. <laughs> yep. All right, cool. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally okay with them. I'm glad they changed it. You know, uh, the better record, in my opinion, earns the right to have the home field in a series. That's fair. I, I, I don't disagree with either of you guys on that. I just... I loved the World Series, or the, the, the All-Star game meeting something. I think it, it had a certain... Uh, allure to the all-star game that separated the MLB all-star game from NBA pro bowl uh, hockey's all-star games electric, how it is. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there was something that separated it, but I totally understand your guys' point. And I don't, and truthfully, I don't want somebody from Detroit deciding if the Indians are going to be at home <laughs> in the world series or not. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Yeah. 100%. Because absolutely. Yeah, imagine it's like Brian Anderson fucking hit a walk-off home run in the All-Star game, and now because of the fucking Marlins, you have to go to the, the National League Park. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We yeah. won 106 games, but we don't get home field advantage because Brian Anderson hit a home run in the All-Star game. Yeah, that, that doesn't seem right. Nah, that doesn't sit well. <laughs> so, yeah, I like I like how they're doing it right now. Um, but, Matt, I'm, I'm going to piggyback off you. I think whoever has to face the Nationals is in for a world of hurt right now because – I mean, I don't know. The Cardinals, whatever their game plan was, they did not execute it, and I still want to know what it was. And you got to think, the, the biggest red flag for the Nationals was this bullpen. Well, if you can't get to the bullpen, it's going to be a hard time getting to the starters. And that's exactly what the Cardinals showed us. 
you know, by not hitting the fucking ball, um, it's tough to get to the bullpen. So if the Nationals can do what they're doing still uh, and celebrating with their Welch's grape juice for Juan Soto in the dugout, I think that <laughs> this team is going to be in a good position to take their first championship. Right. They have a lot of momentum right now, and if the Yankees and Astros go to five, well, I guess, yeah, five, six, seven games, I mean, that, they're going to be a little bit gassed, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, that could be uh, that could be bad, too. But can we talk about this baby shark thing? I love it. What do you guys think about it? Okay, that? I'm so, I thought you were going to hate it, Matt, and I, <laughs> no. I could not be more on board. I'm all in. On Baby Shark. Oh my God, that's is not, I get chills when I see it. It's so when you're in a, a stadium that's doing that, it's just electric. And I mean, if you know they're gonna be doing that in the World Series, it's gonna the whole country's gonna fall in love with it. It's amazing in my opinion. I do have an 11 month old boy at home who loves Baby Shark, so that probably helps. But I think <laughs> it's I think it's awesome to see, man. I really do. I'm a fan of it. Seven, seven. You've been okay. I was gonna say you were quiet during that. No, I'm a fan of it. I just, I don't know. I, yeah, I, it's just for para, right? They only do it for para. Yeah. Then, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. I would, that would drive me up a fucking wall if I heard Baby Shark come on, like, every 20 minutes at a, at a If you're a Yankee game. or Astros fan in Washington for the World Series and the whole stadium's doing that around you, I would, I would understand why you'd hate it. Definitely. Yeah. But no, if, you're I, I can of, see. If, if you're part of that, it's probably an awesome experience. Well, yeah, it's, it's essentially like the same thing with the Yankees doing the roll call um, on the first inning of every game at home. Uh, I can see how that might get under everyone else's skin, but I fucking love it. So who am I to say Baby Shark should be outlawed? <laughs> Give me more Baby Shark. Just inject it into my veins. Um, <laughs> it doesn't get old. It doesn't. I, I'm sure as, as the father of an 11-month-old, you know that all too well. Oh, man. The minute the song comes on, he, he has the biggest smile on his face. So, you know, when you, when I see the whole stadium, I, I showed him the video and he was smiling too. But when when you see the whole stadium, man, it's just a great sight to see. It's a lot of fun and it's good for that's, baseball. Real good for baseball. That's awesome. Um, Seven, you put in our rundown here that sweeps are bad for baseball. Please explain. I just think from the postseason, what, what it was set up to be this year, we had really good series leading up, and both of us kind of called the Nationals and Cardinals as being a compelling series to watch before it started. And great for the Nationals, they, you know, they got their wins, but as a baseball fan who, I mean, I had a little bit at stake with my futures bet on the Nationals, but... All money aside, as a baseball fan just wanting to watch a good baseball game, I just didn't get that from the series at all. It was, I mean, they, they were quick. Um, there was nothing compelling from the Cardinals side at all. They just looked lost, and it was just a runaway train with the Washington Nationals. So, if I get like, I, that's what I don't like about sweeps, especially in the postseason, because you want to be entertained when there's multiple games at stake. It's just okay, I want to see them trade off wins and I want to see them be competitive and it just wasn't for me. It wasn't It wasn't something that I would go back and say, oh, I, I remember that NLCS in 2019 when the Nationals just face-fucked the Cardinals in four games and that was it. Like, I'm probably going to forget about this series. And I wish the Cardinals were more competitive, but they just stunk. So I think sweeps are bad just for the common fan who just wants to watch postseason baseball. Matt, what do you think about that? Because I'm gathering my thoughts still. I'm, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to say sweeps in general. I'm just going to focus on this one series. Um, as a fan, I actually appreciated it. Um, I, I was appreciating what the Nationals pitchers were doing. I mean, both, what, the first two games, they had no hits going through five or six innings, um, something like that. And that's just it, – it's amazing to see a pitcher in the postseason against what's supposed to be one of the best four teams left in the league. They can't get a hit. I mean, I appreciate – the Nationals pitching and and you know obviously their their offense and what they were able to do against the Cardinals um, and it I, I thought the Cardinals had a lot of motivation after you know beating the Braves um, it seemed like the coach had them fired up yeah in the clubhouse you know he's dropping f bombs they're all ready to go and then they just lay an egg I mean that that was kind of crazy and, and it's almost like did the Cardinals lay an egg or were the Nationals just that good I mean they they were solid you really got to give them credit there. I give them credit, but I think that they just kind of laid an egg. Um, yeah. For uh, and good pitching always beats good hitting, and that's no secret. You can see what's going on with the Yankees and Astros right now, and that's a, that's just telling. Um, but I think like in the sense with the Yankees and Astros to pivot real quick, yeah, it's a two-one series, and it could very well be over uh, in two more games for the Yankees. But at least the games we've gotten have been competitive and entertaining. There's been traffic on the bases. There's been chances for either team to take the momentum. I mean, we saw an extra innings game in game two with a walk-off home run. Like, that's exciting. With this series, there was just nothing compelling about it, aside from being able to just fanboy over the national starting pitchers, because that was cool to see. I love good pitching, but I'd like to see a little bit more of a challenge from the opposing team, because to your point, it looked like just man amongst boys, um, and that just wasn't entertaining for me at all i i guess i can get that i would rather um, see i i totally get what you're saying and I, and I guess you're right but at the same time it it's kind of fun to watch a team just get absolutely dominated in the postseason because like you said like like matt said these are supposed to be the best four teams left and to see a team just flex its muscles and say yep bend over here you go um i i i think that's awesome and i and but to I, seven's point i sorry to cut you off to seven's no point, go ahead um you're right you don't you don't want to see a, a team just come out and lay an egg and you you really don't want people saying well the braves would have gave them a better series you know yep. then it, you don't want to hear that either so, so i understand that side of the spectrum yeah, I think it can go both ways, and maybe we can we can put that up on a poll on, on, at our uh, our Twitter at the at the underscore breakdown, um, and see what the fans think about uh, sweeps in baseball. Gentlemen, good question. Good question. I, I think it's an awesome discussion, and I, and again, I think it's one of those things that like if we weren't in the middle of the ALCS and NLCS, well, not in the middle of the NLCS anymore, um, it would be a longer discussion. But ALCS. We're in the middle of it, like we said, uh, game four rained out today. Seven, we've discussed your panic meter. Where do you see the last four games playing out here? If um, it goes those last four games. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go four games. I think I, I think the Astros are going to take it in five. Um, their best chance came on Sunday night where – they, I, they, I firmly believe they should have won that game. I think Aaron Boone overmanaged um, the shit out of that game. Not to say Paxson was on because he wasn't, but Chad Green was definitely on, 
and they knew they had an off day coming up. Just let the guy fucking pitch. They pulled him. First pitch from Ottavino after he comes in is home run, and you know tie game from there. And it's just it was a grudge match, and it should have never been that way. And who's just like I don't want to second guess the manager at every turn, but I think that was just a poor job by Boone over reading into analytics and looking at matchups. Ottavino has been pretty terrible this postseason, so I just don't think that that was the right move. But that was their best chance to win, and they blew it. Uh, Billy Madison, they blew it. And from here on out, uh, yesterday, I, I had always looked at that game as a loss, no matter what Cole going up against Severino. I just didn't like the optics of that at all, looking at it. And it kind of played out the way I thought. Severino was going to be overworked early. Couldn't get out of the fifth. And from there, the runs pile up. Sanchez has that pass ball. But yeah, the Yankees just haven't shown me that they're ready to beat this team, and this seems to be their bugaboo now. They can't, they run into good pitching, and they just can't overcome it. And with all the big bats we want to talk about with the Yankees, none of them show up when they, when you need them most, aside from Glaber Torres and DJ. The rest of them are just kind of waving at air, it seems like, especially Gary Sanchez. So, I don't know. I, they have a shot tomorrow. They will have a shot tomorrow with Granke coming back out on the mound in New York. He's a mental midget, so he could crumble. But, again, the Yankees have to match him, and they have to they have to beat him again. And their back's up against the wall, and it's only 2-1, to one, but it feels like it's a lot worse. It feels like tomorrow's an elimination game when it really isn't. The question is, with Granky tomorrow, Verlander, and then probably Garrett Cole in Game 6? Yeah. I, I, I like this Yankees team, but I just don't see how they can take three out of the next four that's the thing you needed to at least split one of those games with Cole and Verlander early and they just didn't do it so now you have that problem where okay so we beat Granky the first day like we beat him up and that was great for the Yankees but now in the back of your mind you think okay so if I beat Granky I still have Verlander and Cole the next two games and even if you get through those guys again it's like do I really trust this Yankees team to beat Granky three times in a series I don't know and that's a lot to ask of a team because Granky's by no means a bad pitcher, but he's definitely the weakest link of these three. But you're asking a lot of this team to go up and, and manufacture wins against arguably the best two pitchers in the game. Maddie, any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, uh, I here's the thing. I, I don't think Granky is good in the postseason. I, I'm going to be a little more optimistic and give Yankees this next game which tie the series, now you're in a, a best of three. And, and when you're in a best of three, anything can happen, obviously. Um, Verlander, you know, he's beatable. And even Cole's beatable. I mean, he's had he's got losses on his record throughout the season. So, you know, you, like you were saying, the, the Yankees' bats hadn't been showing up. They, they've got to show up uh, against these two guys. They've got to figure it out. I don't know if that means spending more time looking at tape or whatever you got to do. Um, but you got to do something, and if you want it that bad, you have to put extra time in, um, in your in in your own personal time, to to really have a chance against these two guys, uh, especially in the postseason. They Cole and Verlander both been great, so I'm gonna give the Yankees the next game, tie it up two two. Please and forgive me, is that fifth? Would the fifth game be in New York? It would, right? And yeah, it would. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I mean, two two one one one, right? Uh yeah. No, it's two three yeah. two. Okay. That's right. Two, three, two. So 
beat Granky. I hate that tied. format, just for the record. I don't love it either. <laughs> beat, <laughs> beat Granky and you're tied. I mean, now you're back at home against Verlander. You got it. You need the crowd behind you. You know, put in a little extra time, figure it out, and if you can take that that game. I mean, you're in a, you're in good shape. So it's gonna be fun. To I watch. think it's gonna be a lot. Of fun. I think to piggyback off that, to put yourself in a a must win against Garrett Cole, like Game Six would be in that scenario, uh, is less than ideal. Yeah, to say the least. It's tough because, and to Matt's point, Verlander. I think Verlander is beatable. Um, that's not to say they beat him at all when they played him on Sunday, but I think if you're going to have a shot against one of those two, it's going to be Verlander. And the only thing they have working in their favor, if is they get him at home. So that's one way to look at it. Um, again, it's the only thing I saw that was promising was that they were able to work goals pitch count and he walked a lot of people. But he left seven people on base, couldn't capitalize, and when they did get people on base, it was always with two outs. So that, that, that was the biggest issue to me. There was no timely hitting or no urgency to get people on base. It was, you know, they were playing from behind the whole time. So I, I just I didn't see it enough to convince me that the bats are ready to wake up. I think you need to drop Gary Sanchez or even bench him in the next game just to clear his fucking head because I've never seen a guy look so lost at the plate. It's just he, his confidence looks lost. He, he doesn't even know what he's swinging at half the time, and his defense is shaky. So I would put Romine behind the plate and just hope that the other guys can wake up because it's overkill what they're doing putting out in that lineup. It's just the same shit. It's power hitter, power hitter, power hitter. Switch it up, you know, hit the contact, and just manufacture runs like they did all year. I'm not seeing that from them. They're relying too much on those timely hits and the long balls. You just have to manufacture and be gritty, be fucking savages. That's what their whole motto was going into this. So I'd, I'd like to see them get back to their roots and just play with some energy again. I like that. I like that a lot. I do too. So, gentlemen... Before we get into our curtain call, and Matt, you kind of already tipped your curtain call a little bit, um, but are you guys college football fans? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who do you guys pull for? I'm a big Ohio State guy. Whoever covers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the same boat as you, whoever covers. I like that. I, I, growing up, I had uh, BC, and they're never really that good, so, um, I, you know, I don't really follow anyone specific. If you've ever picked up the paper like the next day or checked your scoreboard app and wondered, okay, how did BC, you know, only lose by 38 this week? Or or, or how in God's green earth did Louisiana Tech cover? Because somehow that team's a cover machine. Um, and you always want to know, like, how they get there. It, like, how exactly did that happen? Or maybe you're just trying to get more educated as a gambler or a fantasy player. Then you need to check out expandtheboxscore.com. XTV was created to fill a major void in the college football landscape, and the amount of da- NFL data that's available is widespread. But the, the but the guys over at uh, XTV decided they needed to fill the void for college football. It goes through every stat for every FBS player, and from the Troy Trojans to the Boise State Broncos, expandtheboxscore.com has you covered from targets to down and distance down and distance metrics play calling tendencies, player profiles, and so much more. It's all fully customizable and tailored to see 
what you want to see and gonna make it's gonna make you so much better educated as a gambler and as a college football fan. Expand the box score has it all. It starts at just fifteen dollars per sport for the for three hundred sixty five days of unlimited access to all the information you need. However, if you use our code Breakdown, you'll get ten percent off each sport you purchase and again it's 365 days of unlimited access to the most advanced college football stats available they have limited amounts of nfl and are in or are dabbling in baseball so there's also some info there you can find it all on expandtheboxcore.com to understand football better and be a smarter and more informed fantasy player it's expandtheboxcore.com that's e-x-p-a-n-d-t-h-e B-O-X-S-C-O-R-E dot com. Use our code breakdown. That's B-R-K-D-W-N for 10% off today. Gentlemen, curtain call time. I'm going to lead off. And this is very contingent on Gary Sanchez playing, so I have a contingency plan if he doesn't. Gary Sanchez will have more pass balls than Yankee runs throughout the rest of the series. Oof. I don't know if you heard it. I just farted really loud. Um, I did not. When, when I heard that, was that in response? Was that in response to my curtain call? I think that was a panic because I just I lost my shit when you said that because I think it's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like that. I think honestly, the way he's playing is probably true. All right, so here's my contingency plan if uh, Booney decides to go to Romine. Mickey Calloway. Ooh. Future pitching coach of the Los Angeles Angels. Ooh, I like that one a lot, actually. Callaway is a former Angel. He was on that 0-2 World Series team. Um, and I I don't think he gets a managerial job. I think he tries to be a top on as a pitching coach somewhere and kind of go through the same cycle that he did and, and dominate as a pitching coach and then try and get another managerial job. Um, I think that he goes to L.A., goes back where he played, and goes under the tutelage of Joe Madden to, to figure out how to be a manager. So those are, I'm going, you get double curtain calls this week because Matt's new. So, seven, what do you got? Um, so I have, I think Giancarlo Stanton is going to relinquish his roster spot by tomorrow, and Mike Talkman will come from the grave and avenge this fucking Yankees outfield and play gold glove defense and have some timely hits and manufacture runs like the savages they really are. That is, can you do that? Can you? If he's injured, re- yeah. If he's injured, they can replace him on the on the roster. Huh? If he chooses think, to relinquish, do you think his spot. that's realistic? Yes. Okay. All right, Maddie P. You got your first curtain call, bud. I got my first curtain call. I I'm gonna be 100 percent honest. I put zero thought into this. I probably should have earlier, but. No, I'm gonna say... stop. This is how we do things here. It's like <laughs> I, I, you, you said you've listened to you said you've listened to the show. You should know that we're off the cuff. <laughs> off the cuff. I love it. I love it. I here's here's I'm gonna give you my current call. I think the Yankees tee off on Granky, get to him early, game four. They're gonna take game five and beat Verlander. Wow. And they're gonna go back to Houston to wrap up the series. And when you go back to Houston, anything can happen. But Yankees will be going back to Houston um, with a 3-2 lead. Wow. Wow. I like it. I'm not going to lie. I like it. I don't I don't Co- see it, but I love it. Color me intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> if my panic meter can go back down to yellow by Friday, I'll feel a lot better. 
<laughs> I love it. Ah, oh, Matty P, your first episode in the books, bud. Uh, it was a lot of fun, man. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to doing uh, a lot more with you guys. Um, Definitely. The season and throughout the rest of the playoffs. Absolutely. Definitely the, fir- the first of many. Seven, always a pleasure. And uh, again, check out expandtheboxcore.com, check out Thrive Fantasy, and check out all of the Breakdowns podcasts, including Campus to Campus and End to End Puck Talk. For Seven, for Matty P, I'm Tommy Caricelli saying, see ya. Let's go hunt it, do 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 do. Let's go hunt it.